Today, the Toronto Star has an article that reads, Ontario's new gas plants will drive up hydro prices and make it more difficult to reduce carbon emissions to net zero, according to an expert report published on Wednesday. Rather than relying on natural gas-fired generation, this article reads, to meet growing electricity demand, Ontario's cheapest and most reliable options require new wind and solar while keeping gas plants for backup. This report, prepared by Power Advisory, an electrical systems consultancy providing advice for provinces and states across North America, including Ontario. And now joining me from the Atmospheric Fund, Vice President of Policy and Programs, Brian Purcell. Good morning. Good morning, Jerry. Um, I, how does it work that gas-fired generation would um, drive up price? Well, the world has changed. Uh, over the last 10 years, we've seen dramatic cost reductions in the price of renewable energy. And at the same time, uh, natural gas prices have been going up, including through carbon pricing, but also through general market volatility, as we've seen with the recent crisis in Ukraine. And our findings looking out to 2035 is that um, there are multiple scenarios where we can decarbonize our grid. Uh, and meet the growing demand reliably, uh, which offer wholesale electricity costs similar to today. Whereas if we ramp up natural gas instead, the actual cost of electricity would be higher. Well, I look at this article, and for me, when I read that our cheapest and most reliable options are wind and solar, that makes no sense to me, because wind and solar are not reliable. Wind and, wind and solar uh, certainly have intermittency issues, which is often raised with them, right? Which is why they're not uh, a single solution to our grid problems, and uh, uh, we wouldn't recommend as much. They're uh, sources of generation uh, that are reliable in doing what they're supposed to do, uh, but they need to be paired with other assets, including energy storage, energy efficiency, demand response, and other local distributed resources. Why aren't we talking about nuclear? Well, actually, uh, we are talking about nuclear in this province, and our scenarios, uh, first of all, include the nuclear that's planned to continue operating in Ontario. And then two of our three scenarios looked at, including the government's current uh, plans for new nuclear, including uh, SMRs and um, and uh, refurbishing Pickering, which is being considered at the moment. Uh, we also did a scenario without new nuclear to look at what that looks like, which we also found to be feasible and cost effective. So really, we're saying that there's multiple pathways to get to that net zero grid with and without new nuclear uh, generation. Uh, and so we have options. Yeah, what happened to nuclear energy was going to be too cheap to meter? Well, I think the days of that rhetoric are long over. Uh, we know that uh, nuclear is a major part of our base load. It's not going anywhere. It has its own challenges and advantages, um, but it is, uh, you know, th- those are big projects. They take time to build, plan, approve, and uh, and they're, they can be costly. Um, so they're part of the supply mix going forward in Ontario, uh, but we also have to look at newer resources, such as uh, renewables and storage that can be built faster and, um, and in many cases more cost effectively. Okay, so do you really think, uh, you think it's a combination of wind, solar, and gas plants to back that up, and that's, that's our future? 
Yes, wind, solar, storage. Our, we have our existing hydroelectric and nuclear assets. And then uh, for the new generation, primarily a mix of uh, large-scale renewables and storage, as well as more energy efficiency, which is really our most cost-effective resource. Right. We need to look at the, the interactive effects of a, of a diverse supply mix and how that can help us. Brian Purcell is with me, Vice President of Policy and Programs at the Atmospheric Fund. So we have in Ontario a growing population, especially in the GTA, where it's really kind of exploding. And then we have this real push to replace our um, our fossil fuel automobiles with electric vehicles. A lot of people feel we'll never have the grid to go electric with all the cars in Ontario. It's absolutely doable to uh, electrify transportation and, and see this transition that's already underway to electric vehicles. Uh, every forecast globally is showing this continuing to build momentum. And of course, regulation is also going to be driving this uh, federally. Um, and it's quite manageable. And one of the, the, the best features of the incremental demand from electric vehicles is that almost all the charging happens off peak. So. It, they do allow us to make better use of our generation assets. It's one of the challenges we have is you need enough generation to meet those peak demands, but then it sits idle most of the time because uh, we have these lows overnight, for example, when there's not a lot of demand. So electric vehicles can really help to balance that, especially if we pair it with smart charging programs and, and the incentives to get people to charge even more at night off peak uh, and take advantage of that surplus we have. Well, a couple of times you've said energy storage, you're talking about batteries, and the electric cars, um, of course, are batteries, and they are huge. And so I, what happens with uh, people worry about the, um, the fallout of, uh, from nuclear? Well, what's the fallout from all these batteries? Well, the, they can be an asset for our grid, especially in the long term. We're seeing a lot of the new electric vehicles have the ability to to uh, reverse their flow and go power to the back to the grid when they're not being used. So this actually turns it into a grid asset if we create programs and incentives around it. Um, because most of the time cars are sitting in a driveway in a garage and if it's an electric vehicle, it's plugged in. And so in those moment to moment when the grid needs a little bit of extra energy to balance, they can be available uh, with the driver's consent to feed power back to the grid and actually be a part of the solution. Okay, that sounds great. But what I was getting at is nothing lasts forever and batteries don't last forever. So what are we going to do with them all? Well, battery recycling is going to be uh, really key. And we're starting to see the, this industry ramp up to meet the expected uh, growth in the use of uh, batteries. Of course, we've been using these batteries for some time with other electronics. And so there is some industry there to recycle those, but we need to ramp up that capability for sure. And some of these batteries could actually have a second life, for example, when they're degraded too much, for example, after 10 years to power that vehicle anymore. We could have a second life for energy storage on the grid. All right. Um, I have been talking to Brian Purcell, Vice President of Policy and Programs at the Atmospheric Fund. I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. My pleasure.